When you think about a survey, what comes to mind? Are there good thoughts there? Probably not. Most people avoid doing surveys because that's not how they want to spend their time. Or maybe they don't want their opinion on the record. Maybe they've had one too many. Getting asked silly questions by someone for what? And will it even matter? As a matter of fact, it does. A great deal. If you can manage to get hundreds of people to give you an honest answer, you're getting very valuable information. You're listening to It All Works. I'm your host, Jason Wheeler, and this is episode eight, The Survey Says. There is no doubt that the information you can gain from a survey can be incredibly valuable, but only if it's done right and under the right conditions. If you've created one before, then you've experienced the challenges that come with it. I can tell you from experience, they can be fun, exciting, engaging, and productive. But if you don't do it right, the only thing that will have happened is a fleeting moment of interaction and a pile of data that ultimately might not help you at all. In order to do this right, you're gonna have to put some real thought into it. Surveys need to be issued at the right time, with the right intention, and with the right questions. When you create a survey, you set your goals ahead of time. So this one project, you kind of reverse engineer. If you want to get a specific sample of data from people, the first thing you will need to create are the questions that will get you the clearest answers. How many questions and what type are going to be able to get you the definitive answers you need? Will it take one, five, ten? Will they be binary, yes or no, this or that, multiple choice, a scale, or maybe worded answers? As far as how many questions, there is one protocol you should follow first. Use the least amount of questions in order to get the answers you need. This is so important. When you respect people's time, they will help you. And if you ask too many questions, they might check out and not complete the full set. There are people that like to ask some light and fun questions, but all you're doing is wasting time, yours and theirs, and collecting useless data. Being a minimalist with your questions is the best route. As far as the type of questions, ask the questions that will give you the answers you need with the least amount of variables. Which means, if you can get your data from a yes or no, or this or that, great, do that. If it takes more options, then multiple choice is the way to go. A step further is multiple choice with explanations. And if you need real personalized opinions, then asking for a worded answer is the option. The reason you want to reduce the number of variables is for recording, sorting, and calculating the data from those answers. Creating the analytics. The easier you can sort the data, the better and faster you will get the answers you wanted from the survey. If you really strive to make it as simple and as direct as possible, you will get really clear results. If there are too many variables, your results will start to get a little gray and foggy. Keep that in mind. I want to share two short stories on two different surveys I experienced that touch on this. Two different restaurants issued surveys. One of them nailed it, and the other didn't do so well. The first restaurant was a long-running family business that had grown over 40 years. They were the average diner, convenient. At the end of every meal, they stuck a survey in front of me with a bill. And every time, the server prompted me to fill it in. And it was seven questions. You know the ones. One, how was your meal? Two, was the table clean? Three, was the server polite? Four, did you get your food in good time? Five, was the environment friendly? Six, did I have any issues? Seven, would I come again? This is your typical how-did-we-do survey. Now, I know this isn't the online stuff, but bear with me. You have to wonder, why did they ask me every time? Do they have no clue? 
I've been there a hundred times. Are they tracking how I feel about their restaurant each time? Probably not. Their motivations were different. These type of surveys are follow-up and are quality checks and are looking for red flags. And there might be some sort of motivation for the employees to get good comments from the customers. Maybe that's why they prompted me. Over my hundred visits there, I can safely say that all aspects of their business diminished in quality over the years, slowly, as much as restaurants do. But that survey they kept giving me didn't really help them because they didn't use the feedback, probably didn't really analyze it. But when something red flagged, they probably acted on it. To be honest, I stopped filling them out after the first 20 times. After 20 visits, I'm a regular. You should be getting it right for me all the time. Regulars in restaurants are the golden standard for clientele. The survey was a real time suck and poorly executed. The other restaurant was fairly new. I had been there a couple times and they were very personable. But on the fourth visit, I ordered something new on the menu. This time was the first survey they gave me. Sir, because you've ordered this new dish, I wondered if you could complete a small survey about it for us. First of all, it was very cool that they wanted to know what I thought of their new menu item. I felt empowered. The survey was three questions. What made me choose the new item? And there were four multiple choice options. Number two, did it meet or exceed my expectations? Yes or no? Number three, is there anything I would change about it? They gave me this survey after they gave the bill, not with the bill. When they went to go get change, I filled it in. They didn't expect it, they just asked. They did it right. They probably got a lot of people to answer the survey because it was specific to the individual. I made a choice and my opinion became important or special. And the questions were very to the point. The first two told them what they needed to know and the third might have gotten them some new ideas. I completed it in less time than it took them to get my change. And only at times when I tried something new there was I given a survey. And over time I could tell the survey helped them make their decisions. But that's the restaurant business. Let's get digital and talk about online surveys for your business. While both of those surveys were basically follow-up, I look at there being four main types of surveys. Discovery, participation, research, and follow-up. Each one of those are unique when they are issued and what they are looking for. Timing and purpose are important. Discovery surveys are for first encounters and they are usually trying to find out more about you to speed up the targeting process for a business. If you add yourself to a business email list, they will want to ask you where you came from or how you found them. They like to know what you're interested in or maybe your wants and needs and goals. All this right at the beginning so you can help them be more specific to help you. Participation surveys are issued when a business wants to create interactions in some way. They will happen sporadically and spontaneously to drive attention to something during a specific time. They may want to know if you heard about something or if you already have that thing, what you think about those kinds of things. And in most cases, they might actually have an offer of that thing. This usually happens in line with a seasonal promotion or a new product launch. Research surveys are usually given at a specific time to a segmented or relevant group, sometimes to everyone. They are either asking a question from people who are likely to give an educated response, or they're asking anyone for an overall consensus. Market Research 101. They will ask for very specific data, just like a census. Follow-up surveys are given after some kind of interaction has already occurred. Like the restaurant, they will want to know what has already happened according to you. Sometimes these are issued to show they care, and sometimes they really do. They will ask all sorts of questions to find out how successful they were with their product or service, and will also be looking for red flags. 
so they can make improvements in the future. Each one has a specific purpose or data they are after and a specific time in which they should be used. When you understand these categories, you might start noticing when people are doing them at the right or wrong time more often. Now you can probably figure out which one you would use at a specific time for your business. Great. Now comes the more challenging part. What type of data do you want? What's it for? Are you doing a survey for a pat on the back or to figure out your audience's needs? What do you want to know? Do you want them to give you an opinion? A measurement? Do you want to be able to sort them by things that define them or by things they like or dislike, want or need? You need to have a clear objective for the type of data you wish to collect. This is what makes surveys challenging and fun. But you got to take the planning stage seriously. Like I said, keep it simple and get the answers you need and the least amount of questions as possible. Oh, and be nice about it. And if you can, making it fun for them is even better. Some data is easier to sort than others, but you want to make it as easy as you can for yourself. If you can supply the answers as choices and not sacrifice leaking data, that's optimal, especially if you plan on getting a lot of responses. But the big reason is, just like school exams, people like multiple choice better. It's faster and less taxing on people. And you get data that is easy to sort the way you need it to be. When you start freestyling and asking for worded answers, you just might have a lot of work to do. And there could be a margin of answers that just won't count because not everyone answered the questions properly. So if you're going to ask for worded answers, make sure it's a precise question. Next, do you know why most surveys get low responses? Because they were poorly timed and irrelevant. Here's a couple of examples. You're walking in a mall and a person wants you to answer survey questions. Is this what you wanted to do with your day? And you have no idea what they're going to ask, but the fact that they're going to ask you questions makes you feel unprepared so you decide not to do it. You decline. Or, out of the blue, someone emails you a survey. It's from someone where you've opened their emails and haven't interacted or done business with, and they want to ask you about whatever. And it's almost the same thing. You don't interact, and they get low response rates. These attempts have low, low response rates because there is nothing it's anchored to that the person might be willing to shed some light on and give you answers. It's very impersonal. It's like saying, hey person, answer these questions so I can collect data. There is a reason to do a discovery survey. They know why it's being asked of them, so it's more likely they will help and respond. A participation survey will be tied to something happening seasonally or a launch but it's anchored and therefore you will be more likely to get answers. Follow-up surveys are too obvious why they are given. When doing research, the way you get more responses is to be honest why you're asking a particular group of people for answers. The anchor is the similarity between the participants, something unique about the people you are asking. And when you explain why you're asking them, it can sound complimentary and therefore get more answers. If you're going to just ask anyone, that's the toughest route, and you'll get what you get. It will be low because it's not anchored to anything, but just be honest about that with people and they will appreciate the honesty. You can make surveys more fun by making your copy personal and friendly and express a lot of appreciation by thanking them even before they attempt to give you answers. When you're grateful, people will notice and be more helpful. One of the great advantages of doing surveys online, other than introverts not having to deal with people face-to-face, -face, it's the software and the programs that can help you make more appealing surveys. SurveyMonkey, Typeform, and Google Forms can allow you to make something a little more professional and pleasant. Even though some of these things do cost money, 
you might want to consider your return on investment. If the data is valuable and can make a huge impact on your business, it might be worth the $200 to $500 a year to get more responses to your survey and get data that will help you target better. Not to mention, your surveys can help you segment your email list in so much more detail that can pay off huge. There is another method for getting more participation, and it can really work well for your distribution. You can offer something small for free to get participants, and this way you've given extra incentive at the same time possibly distributing one of your downloads, like a PDF guide or an exclusive video. Surveys are an incredibly useful tool, but they should be done sparingly. If you do too many, it will tune people out. And try to avoid making the mistake of giving people the same survey repeatedly. It's nice to ask people what they think, but if you keep asking them the same thing, they might get annoyed. Discovery and follow-up surveys have their obvious specific times to be used. But if you're doing participation or research surveys, you have a limited number of chances per year to do them. So you have to plan wisely and make the few times you do them count and get the data you were looking for. Surveys are awesome when done right and under the right conditions. Remember what your goal is for doing them and work back from there. Make sure your timing and relevance is correct and keep them as simple as possible to get the answers you're looking for. And of course, make it a good experience. Making it all work. If you're planning on creating a survey, I want you to ask yourself these questions before you proceed. Number one, why do you need to do the survey? What is the purpose? Is it for discovery? to increase participation with something? Are you researching something? Or is there something you need to follow up on? Number two, when is the right time to do it? Is there something you're doing or some interaction that occurred that would make it the right time to do a survey? Number three, is the data you're trying to collect going to be useful? Will it help you improve your business? The answers to those three questions will start to point you in the right direction. From there, you can start to formulate your questions and how you will invite people to participate. And always make sure you're going after the right audience to participate. If you have any more questions about this episode or would like to learn more about creating an effective survey, you can email me from this episode page on the podcast website, itallworks.com. I love hearing from listeners. If you want to be a part of the discussion on this week's topic, join the It All Works Facebook group. I share some extra content and posts that will continue the conversation there. Thanks again for sharing your time with me. Until next week, take care.